listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are continuing our Advent series with Pastor Matt Richard today. We are looking forward to this coming Sunday in Advent, Advent 3, or as Sarah likes to sing, Gaudete. Yes. Or sorry, you I, is that mm, can I can I do that in podcast because well, oh, I will might, oh, it might be copyrighted so copyright. we're going to dig into <laughs> Advent 3 here in just a moment thanks to Concordia University Wisconsin for supporting the coffee hour find out more about Concordia University Wisconsin at cuw.edu live uncommon joining us today the Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard of St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Minot North Dakota also author of will the real Jesus please stand up and there's another book coming out pretty Ooh. soon too do we is there, I don't know, is there an official title? Oh, well, first of all, welcome back to the program, Pastor Richard. Yeah. Back. Welcome back. It's good to be here, you guys. Good There's another here. book on the way, right? Yeah. Good news is I just finished the second draft of it. And so that's kind of a good feeling. The the, the unofficial title, I, I think we'll probably go with this. It'll be, Will the Real Church Please Stand Up? Seven False Churches. And so first one, the first book went over pretty well, 12 False Christs. Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? 12 False Christs. And so Continue that with the uh, theme of, well, the real church, please stand up and seven false churches. And so I'm excited about it. It's my, it's in the hands of my wife right now. And she's, she's, she's wonderful. She's a great, great editor and she's uh, pretty tenacious. And so I'm waiting for it to come back uh, full of red ink everywhere. And uh, it, it's great. Uh, she, she does a great, great job of helping uh, kind of refine it. And uh, so then it'll be off to, Concordia Publishing House here in the uh, end of January, and I'm assuming it'll probably be summer of 2024. And so, yeah, it's 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 a it's a really really fun book, fun to write. Follows the journey of of, of a family. They come to a new town called Midway, and it's a fictitious town, but it's like it could be any town. And they spend the summer trying to find a church, and they go to all sorts of different churches, all churches of different flavors and sizes, and ups and downs and and the confusion of trying to find a church. And I won't give the whole book away, but the, the book is framed where each church they go to, and not being critical, it's just we highlight everything that the church is doing well, but they leave each church every Sunday saying something's missing. There's just something. It, it's, it was good, but there's something missing. And ultimately, they come to the uh, last church. Uh, the last church is an absolute disaster. Uh, but the whole point of it is this church that uh, is not singing in tune and uh, this church that has spelling errors in the bulletin and has a low budget and bitter coffee, and uh, that church has Jesus, and Jesus is proclaimed. That makes it the real church, which is kind of cool. So I kind of gave the book away, but it, it's a fun journey to follow the Cam- <laughs> you follow the Campbells through their journeys up and down, left and right, as they they maneuver through all these churches, and they come to the real church, which has Christ, in spite of all their failings as a church. Well, speaking of the true church and the church that has Jesus, that's what we're looking at today. God's word giving us Jesus in Advent 3, and we are in Matthew chapter 11 today. How do you want to do this? Do you want to read the text or just uh, go verse by verse and and break it down? Um, How do you want to approach the text today, Pastor? Why don't don't we just read it? And then, then, yeah, if we got to jump back into it, we can jump back into it. But yeah, if we just read, kind of get the whole, whole big picture. And then we can bounce around of different sections and see where the conversation leads us. Sounds great. All right. So Matthew chapter 11 looks like verses 2 through 10. It says this, Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. 
the blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. There, there ends of the reading. Good stuff. It is good stuff. So let's start at the beginning of this text. Who is John? Yeah, so so we have we have several Johns that we 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 hear about in in the New Testament. This is going to be John the Baptist, wild man John the Baptist, and uh, boy, when we think of John the Baptist, unique is <laughs> the best <laughs> word. As we know from the scriptures, John is out in the wilderness preaching a message of repentance. Now. I don't know about you guys, but when I was a child, when I would hear about John the Baptist, I, I hear about this guy wearing these unique clothing and eating locusts and, and uh, preaching this fire and brimstone sermon, the sermon of repentance. And I kind of got the impression that, I mean, he's out in the middle of nowhere, and I probably wouldn't want to go out there because it sounds a little bit weird and dangerous. And I kind of got this impression that maybe John was out there baptizing in the Jordan River, preaching this fire and brimstone sermon. And Maybe he got maybe about two dozen people out, maybe a couple cousins and friends, and just kind of humor him. It's kind of like how we sometimes have to go to maybe a relative's recital or something like that, and everyone goes because that's the right thing to do, but you maybe don't really want to go. And it's kind of the impression that I kind of gotten with John the Baptist over the years that, fine, we'll go out and see John do his, his, his circus act out in the wilderness, but it actually wasn't like that. I mean, we're, we're literally talking thousands thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people, potentially up over in the, in the hundreds of thousands of people going out to this river to be baptized. And so this was no small potatoes, if you will. This is no small event. In fact, it raised such alertness and it was so much on the radar that uh, religious leaders are going out to kind of scope it out and check out what was going on. And so here you got John out in the wilderness calling people to repentance calling them to be baptized for the remission of their, their their sins and the sorrow for their sins. And as we know from this story, which is, is just pretty profound, Jesus comes up and Jesus says, I'm going to be baptized, which that's the great dilemma. Why, you know, What sin has Jesus to repent of? And John's like, no, you got this all wrong. I'll tell you what, I'll get in the water. You baptize me, Jesus, not, 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 not me baptize you. But Jesus insists. And so John baptizes Jesus. And Luther says this, that that's the point when Jesus identifies with us sinners in that dirty water with a bunch of sinners. That's when he first enters into this ministry of what identifying for sinners, carrying the sin of the world all the way to the cross, where he bears the sin of the world made to be sin on our behalf. So it's Advent. Why does John show up in Advent? <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember one time preaching a sermon using John the Baptist. And I kind of had this imagery that 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 John the Baptist is kind of like maybe that wild man uncle that you have, or that neighbor who you invite him over to the house, and and he's 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 a loudmouth guy, and he knocks over the Christmas tree and steps on the presents, and you know as a result you burn the you burn the turkey, and it's just a disaster. It's like why did we ever invite him over? He ruins everything, and that. I'm kind of I'm facetious, but there, there's a sense where John the Baptist, when you listen to him. 
he's not very Christmassy, right? I mean, there's there's, there's no tent, there's no tinsel, there's no there's no nice eggnog, and there's no candy canes. I mean, he's the kind of the guy where you let John the Baptist into the narrative of the Christmas season, he ruins everything. He, he smashes the, the 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 light bulbs, he stomps on the presents, and he what calls you to repentance. But in a sense, it's appropriate. I would argue that we cannot get to Christmas unless we first go through Advent. Furthermore, you, you, you can't hear rightly about Jesus unless you first are leveled by John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist, in a sense, represents the law, right? The law of God that reveals to us our sins. It levels us, shows that no one is good, not even one. And then once we're leveled, once the plane is made straight, once the roads are leveled, once everybody is brought to humility and repentance, beating our chest, saying, God have mercy, the sinner, then we're prepared for the Christ. Then we're prepared for the Christ child uh, to receive that Christ child. So law must come before gospel, just as we must hear about John the Baptist before Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of these accounts in the Advent gospel readings are so interesting. And how many times have I heard these readings in my entire life? And yet now that we're talking about them here, I'm seeing them in a new light and thinking about them in different ways. And I, I just think it's so interesting that we're in this season where we're waiting for Christ to come. And yet all of these gospel readings are about stuff that Christ did when he was an adult. So it's, it's like the whole now and not yet thing that we're coming back to. But this this interaction between the disciples and Jesus and John is wondering if Jesus is the one to come. And Jesus's answer is to tell John these miracles that the blind receive their sight, the, the walk lame, the lepers are cleansed. What's the deal with that? Why would that have been the sign for John to John, for John to know who Jesus is? Well, this goes back to, there's a little bit of a, how do we say this, a little bit of a tension or a dispute on this. John's in prison, obviously. And so you fast forward through the events and he finds himself in prison, and he's actually eventually uh, executed and uh, so forth. Uh, but before that happens, he's in prison. He's hearing all these things about Jesus. And so then he asks the question, uh, more specifically asks the question, are you the one? Is he the one? Is, is Jesus the one to come, or are we to wait for another? And so a lot of ink has been spilt over the years. Was John the Baptist, was he doubting there in prison, or was it the disciples? And so you can go back and forth, left and right. And, and and I've wrestled with that over the years as a pastor, trying to discern how do we how do we view John in prison. But it came across a, a Lutheran uh, commentator once upon a time, and he he, he said that uh, now if I can simplify what he was saying, he said back in the ancient times of the Old Testament Israel that uh, when they looked at the prophecies about the coming Messiah, they 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 saw that the Messiah was going to be a Messiah who was coming in grace and mercy and so forth, and then also fierce judgment and wrath and judgment and so forth. And so what developed many times amongst many of the people of the Old Testament was that this theory that there might be potentially two messiahs, one messiah that's coming in grace and one messiah that's coming in vengeance and judgment. And so if, if you take that understanding and you look at John the Baptist, so here's John the Baptist, he's, you know, he's done his business, he's, he's, he's preached hard, repentance, so forth, right? And he's in prison and then he looks out and he hears, right, the reports and all he hears is what? Jesus healing people, giving sight to the blind. You hear the message of Jesus sitting on, on, on the side of the hill, preaching and teaching the Beatitudes. And that's kind of, kind of a warm, kind of cozy kind of feeling you'd have that, that he's chasing away demons, so forth. It's, it's all really good stuff, which then would lead a person to say, okay, yeah, okay, that's good. 
but where's the hammer, right? Where, where, where's, where's the vengeance? Where's, where's this Messiah who's going to what set things right? So it makes sense when we read this. John's question then is this: He's not diminishing. He sees these acts of grace and mercy. He says, "Are, are you the one, or are we to expect another Messiah, a different Messiah, another one that's coming?" So John's uh, misunderstanding was: Yet we see acts of mercy and grace, but we don't see judgment. Not fully realizing that. There's, what, two Advents, as we covered before. The first Advent is an Advent of grace and mercy. The second Advent is one of judgment and vengeance and to make all things right, to that that fierce sword. And so not understanding it's the, the one and the same Christ who has two Advents, not two Messiahs, but one Messiah, but two comings. No. We have more to learn in this text for this coming Sunday, the third Sunday in Advent in the one-year lectionary with Pastor Matt Richard. I have an idea to add a new tradition to incorporate John into traditions this time of year. Oh, You ready for this, Pastor? Let's hear it. (laughs) Well, you said he doesn't really fit in with like eggnog and all that stuff. What if we did locust and honey eggnog? There we go, right? I think new tradition to incorporate John into it. Or we hang uh, grasshoppers from our Christmas tree, right? There you go. There's another idea. We are searching. taking into scripture, looking ahead to the third Sunday at Advent with Pastor Matt Richard. We'll continue the conversation right here on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Uh, we have a pastor who's doing a much better job of teaching us God's Word than the ideas that I am trying to incorporate into Advent and Christmas season this year. <laughs> trying to add some John the Baptist traditions to include, since we're taking a look at the text in Matthew chapter 11 today for this one-year lectionary and third Sunday in Advent. So we we just had this nice long list of miracles, miraculous things that that Jesus talks about, the blind receiving their sight, the lame walking, lepers being cleansed, deaf hearing, dead being raised, and then the good news being preached to the poor. Why are the why is this good newsing of the poor included in this list of miracles? Here at St. Paul's, we had a Wednesday Thanksgiving service and we had a Wednesday Advent service this last Wednesday. And uh, one of the themes in the sermon was that this Christ of ours, our Jesus, he he comes humble and meek, which we talked about several weeks ago. We, we talked several weeks ago about this. So this Christ who comes, he comes humble and meek. And when he comes humble and meek, he comes so low that so no sinner would actually imagine that he's too high and lofty for them. And so when we think about our Jesus, that he comes for all. And oftentimes, perhaps when we look at the first century, those that were what crippled and lame and so forth, they were oftentimes not viewed the most compassionately 
most compassionate way. They would be set off to the side of the byways and and meant to beg and to to clamor for sustenance and food and and money and so forth. And so as we think about this, that the gospel is is for all and is for the poor. It is for those who are perhaps estranged in life or on the fringes of life. And so it's just a beautiful way of thinking about it that Jesus Christ, he came for sinners. This is the ministry of the gospel. The gospel is for sinners only. Those that are righteous have no need of a savior, no need of a physician, but those that are sin sick, they constantly need the medicine of immortality. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that list, he he tacks on this little, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. How does that fit into this list of miracles and, and preaching good news? Well, if you think about this, the, the message of the gospel, as sweet as it is, it, it also can offend us. The message of the gospel can offend that in that the sense that it, it's all Jesus, it's not us. And so I've always said this before many, many times that for a pastor to have a, a ministry of ease, there's really two things you have to do as a pastor to have a really easy ministry. Uh, number one is you don't preach the law really that stern. So like take the imagery of John the Baptist. You, you, you dress John Baptist up in some nicer clothes, maybe give him a shower, right? And say, no more locusts for you. And <laughs> and and we'll, we'll give you a nice little, and I say this because I love my lattes, a nice little latte for John the Baptist, put him in a nice suit and just kind of lighten it up and don't don't be so stern on the law. And then when it comes to the gospel, make some room for the for us to participate in our salvation, Jesus. Maybe scoot on over a little bit, let me contribute a little bit to it. And so then if you take the law and you 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 remove the teeth from the law, if you what make the law a little more friendly, and then if you condition the gospel, then guess what? The old Adam, the sinful nature, has plenty of room to play. And so we don't feel totally condemned. And then we feel like we're actually contributing something to our salvation. But if you bring the full force of the law, as John the Baptist did, and repent, period, you're a sinner, period. You need to admit that you're what? Sin sick, period. Well, that offends us. Rightfully so. It offends me. And then we hear the gospel that Jesus did it 100% for sin-sick Matt Richard. And so my contributions give nothing to the gospel. I contribute nothing to the gospel. It is Jesus or go home. And so that can offend. Definitely that can offend. And so the offense of the gospel is that it's Jesus 100%, not us. And frankly, we like to contribute to what we do. We like to bring our spiritual resume before God and say, ta-da, look what I've done. But the Apostle Paul hits on this well as well. He, he lists off his whole credentials in the book of Philippians, everything that he did. And he said, it's all what? The Greek word is skubala. It's dung. It's, 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 it's dung compared to the surpassing richness of Jesus. And so it, really, it's Jesus or go home. So Jesus asks this question to the crowds about John, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by wind. What then did you go out to see? A man dressed... He goes on asking these questions. If Jesus already knows the answer, why does he ask the questions? (laughs) Yeah, there's many, many purposes of questions um, that Jesus asks. He also gives parables, right? These parables Mm -hmm. are stories. And they're they're ways in which to teach, ways in which to challenge what we'd say present worldviews and presuppositions. And I just, I love these questions. He said, what did you go out to see? A reed shaken in the wind, someone in soft robes. We should unpack that because it's, it's actually quite, quite revealing. So I have a couple of notes that I wrote on, on this here. 
uh, a reed shaken in the wind. Uh, in other words, did you go out to see a person in John the Baptist that has no convictions, no law? Uh, did you go out in the wilderness to see somebody that's saying what everything's popular? Uh, did you go out to see somebody who was yielding to what popular opinion was of the day? Somebody who was fickle? Um, somebody that will tell you what will suit your own fancy? Somebody that will tell you what you want to hear? So that's what a reed shaken in the wind is. Somebody that has no conviction that's just going to what tell you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. And then he goes on to say, did you go out to hear somebody in soft robes? In other words, he, he, he's appealing that idea of soft robes with the influential and the mighty. They're rewarded by their soft clothing. In other words, people who are influential, they, they could afford to buy the fine clothes. And usually they were influential because they were able to what tickle ears and compromise integrity to get in positions of power and authority. Whereas John the Baptist, again, he's not going to tell you what you want to hear. He's not draw, dressed in soft robes. He is a true prophet, a true prophet that is what going to level you. And that's what you went out to hear. You went out to hear to be leveled, to be leveled by John the Baptist, to hear about your sin, to repent, so that you're prepared for what? For the Messiah, prepared for me, Jesus, prepared for Christ, to hear Jesus. Well, he says that not just a prophet, but more than a prophet, right? And this is, this is he whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Where does that quote come from? Oh, boy. I'm trying to look here real quickly. Do you guys have in front of you here? I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I think in Uh, Mark it says Prophet Isaiah. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I did some searching and I could not find it. Oh. Other than Mark referencing that it's from the Prophet Isaiah, but I couldn't, I didn't find it in Isaiah. Well, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. I mean, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you. We'll prepare the way before I, and again, that idea of preparing, we hear this in the gospel of Mark as well about John the Baptist and he, he essentially prepares us and, and he prepares us by leveling us. And that, and that really does coincide with, with the ministry. Now, all of God's word is precious and wonderful, but we, in our Lutheran tradition, we talk about the word rightly divided between law and gospel and the, the ministry of the law. It shows us what is good and right and true of God and what God expects of us and what God demands. It also, the law is showing us what we should do and what we ought not to do. And so when we are confronted by the law, the law says, do this. And I realize what Matt Richard doesn't do this. And the law says, don't do this. I'm like, oh, I do that. And the result of that is going to bring forth and yield repentance. And that, and repentance, the beautiful thing with repentance, even though it stinks, right? And it hurts. And I don't like to repent. And none of us like to repent. None of us like to feel caught red-handed. But the beauty of that repentance is it's preparatory. It, it prepares us to have open hands to receive the beautiful gospel to be laid right in our hands and say, you, the sinner, you're forgiven for Jesus' sake. And so, again, the function of John, why, why John is so important is he's coming out. He's, 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 he's the inauguration. He's, he's coming out right before his ministry is right before Jesus arrives on the scene. And then they, then they clash, right? Then they clash at that Jordan River. With, with that Jordan River where he's baptized. And we should add too, where John was baptizing is where they entered the promised land. And so when he's calling them out, think about this, he's calling them out. He said, get back out here to the wilderness, repent. In other words, you've been doing it wrong. Get back out here where you first entered in and start over. It's like it's like a teacher who gets frustrated with the students and saying, you're doing it all wrong. No, and he rips up the assignment and say, start over, begin it again. You, it's all wrong. And that's what John's doing. That's why it's so incredibly offensive but so desperately needed. 
So this week we're in Matthew. As you pointed out, the one-year lectionary does a nice job of walking us through all the Gospels. So next week we're actually going to be in John, in John chapter one. So any any heads up or what we're looking forward to in the coming Sunday, well, the Sunday next for Advent four, which also happens to be December 24th. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for us pastors, it's like it, we have a Christmas Eve service and Christmas Day. So I've been four services, four services here at St. Paul's. So we had to do some, some, some fixing of this schedule, but nonetheless, we have Advent four on d- December 24th. And I just, I just love, I can't wait for us to, to talk about that. When, we, when we think about that, that whole text is basically John pointing away from himself to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so this idea that John diminishes to exalt Christ. And in a lot of ways, we see the humility of John realizing that I, I don't, I don't have it. It's, it's Christ. And so this whole behold, it's, it's to reveal, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, which really ties in so nicely, so incredibly nicely into the Christmas, right before Christmas, because we then understand that this Jesus who's laying in the manger as one who was born for the purpose of putting on human flesh for the purpose of believing and dying for the sins of the world. And this year you get to preach that only a few hours after Advent 4. Right, right. So yeah, so yeah, for my St. Paul's family, we're going to get get up in the morning. We're only going to do one service on Sunday morning instead of the two. And then we have a combined service on Sunday morning. And then we have a two o'clock and seven o'clock service for Christmas Eve to, yeah, put those right together. It'd be great. It's as a big I'm church sure day. Yes, as I say, as I'm sure many churches will do services. Advent four services in the morning and then after sundown, then it's Christmas Eve. So mm-hmm. very good. Thank you so much, Pastor Richard, for, for helping us look forward to this coming Sunday in Advent, Advent three, and in a week we'll come back together and take a look at Advent four. You've been listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golfet. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.